Hello again, my friends. Welcome to a Thursday afternoon session of Bill Allen's Facebook Studies, coming to you live this time, as we typically do, from downtown Tyler, Texas, in the West Irwin Church of Christ. Uh, Tuesday, it was a bit too cold to be out, and not just cold, but uh, kind of icy, snowy, bad, wintry weather mix kind of stuff on the roads. And so our church offices were closed Monday and Tuesdays, as a lot of offices were. And uh, But Facebook class still goes on, and we did that from my home Tuesday afternoon. So I hope that you were a part of that, and I hope that you've been able to stay warm and dry. I see my friends Cindy and Eric signing on, so glad to see you have made it through the worst of the weather. Not quite like the snowmageddon from a while back, as I'm sure my dear sister Tia would remember, who is also saying hello. But uh, it was bad nonetheless, and... I can't remember exactly what it was, but I believe that uh, Mark Skirto or Katie Vossler said on Channel 7 that we set the record low for a high temperature this week in Tyler. So, brr, it's been cold. Not as cold today and warm this afternoon, actually. But that all changes tonight, and tomorrow is going to be freezing again, and lows for the the lows will be chilly and cold. But um, it is it is uh, January. This is the coldest time of the year for us here in January and February, and we're just grateful to God for uh, the protection that He gives us and the wonderful, beautiful world with the changing seasons uh, that we have. We certainly are blessed. If you were able to uh, uh, hear the lesson on uh, Tuesday, as I hope my cousin Gail and Keith were, who have also signed on, and others are doing this, glad to have you today. Uh, Tuesday, we kind of opened up the story of Joseph and then left him hanging uh, to talk about uh, Judah, the ancestor of Christ, and his very weird, odd story. Uh, with Tamar, who find themselves in the genealogical line of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and so then we go back to Joseph. Remember, Joseph was a, uh, the favored son of his father Jacob, the son, oldest son of Jacob's beloved wife Rachel, who died giving birth to Joseph's younger brother Benjamin. Uh, Saul, by the way, King Saul, not Saul of Tarsus, who would become Paul the Apostle in the New Testament. But King Saul, the first king of Israel back in the Old Testament days, he was a descendant of the tribe. He was a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a descendant of Benjamin, Joseph's younger brother. Uh, but their mother died, Rachel died, giving birth to Benjamin. And so Joseph was especially favored by his father, gave him that coat of many colors, inspired the great Dolly Parton song, kind of want to sing it right now for a bit, but I won't. Tia, I'll let you do that. Your voice is a hundred times better than mine. And uh, so we'll just leave that there. And, uh, and, and it made his brothers jealous, his father's favorite. He, they were jealous of him. And when they had the chance, they uh, took him and they sold him to uh, some traveling Ishmaelites. And they were on their way to Egypt. And they went back and told their father that a, a, an animal, a wild animal must have gotten him. And they showed him the coat that they had torn up and put animals' blood on. And, and so uh, their father Jacob said, I, I'm going to go down to my grave in mourning for my son uh, Joseph. Well, that's a, kind of a, a big, big deal. And Joseph was only 17 when that happened. And so then in Genesis 39, we pick up the story of Joseph again. 
and these travelers take him to Egypt. He's sold as a slave to a high up authority uh, in uh, in the the line of Pharaoh uh, under his administration. Uh, this was a man by the name of Potiphar. His wife's name was Mrs. Potiphar. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the best I can do. There's no, no name given for her. Uh, but Potiphar becomes uh, his master, buys Joseph as a slave. Joseph, again, is only 17 years old. Uh, I think that is just an incredible thing. I think back to myself at 17 and wow, it's just unbelievable that he was taken by the ones he trusted, his brothers, and sold and taken to Egypt to a foreign land with foreign gods and foreign languages and foreign ways and culture and and to top it all off, sold there as a slave. But David makes the best of it, and he be or Joseph makes the best of it, and he is uh, a very faithful worker for Potiphar so much so that Potiphar puts him in charge of everything in his household, and um, all that he uh, is very faithful with. But, and we don't know how many years he serves there in Potiphar's house, but sometime Mrs. Potiphar uh, keeps making advances to Joseph. Obviously now uh, uh, a man who is perhaps in his 20s, a uh, fine-looking man, uh, obviously a good man, one that would be well-respected, and uh, she is making advances at him, but he would never do it because of his faithfulness to God and his loyalty to his master, Potiphar. And, um, and so uh, she finally uh, traps him inside the house where there's just the two of them and tries to come on to him. Joseph, as you might know from this story, to, has to run out and run. And in doing so, he leaves his uh, outer garment. He has to just take it off. You can just picture it, him taking it off as he's trying to get away and, and, uh, and fleeing. And so when he does that, she cries rape. She accuses him of sexual assault, calls in her husband, uh, Potiphar, and says, look, this Hebrew is trying to make sport of us. And um, so Potiphar, you know, he puts, puts him in prison. He puts Joseph in prison in spite of him saying it's not true, it's not true. He goes uh, into prison. And so while um, he is there in prison, uh, Pharaoh gets upset at some of his... Uh, other people, and he puts uh, two of his people in prison, and they find themselves there in the same prison as, as Joseph. It is Pharaoh's cupbearer, uh, or butler, it's a very important position. He is the wine taster for the king, and you're not just tasting to make sure it's, you know, made just right, but you're you're tasting to make sure that it doesn't poison him. And I, I, I don't know about that job. Um, I mean, I'm thinking the one way that you know that it's okay is that you don't die. <laughs> I'm sure, surely there's another job in Egypt, but this is this was his job. I'm sure it paid well, and also the baker, the 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 king's baker, Pharaoh's baker, and they were both in prison at the same time that Joseph was. Well, same thing that happened in prison that had happened with Joseph uh, when he was at Potiphar's house. He made the best of it. He he knew he was innocent. He knew he didn't deserve to be there. He didn't deserve to be in Egypt at all. And yet there he was. And so he, instead of pouting and just making life miserable for himself, he worked hard and he he became a trusted inmate. And so the warden, the head of the prison, put Joseph in charge of just about everything. 
And and that's exactly what happened. And uh, and so the uh, the cupbearer uh, and uh, the butler, uh, or the the cupbearer and the baker, both have dreams. And they're wondering what they mean, because obviously they can tell that they're significant dreams. So Joseph says, well, you know, God can, God can uh, interpret dreams. Uh, that's, that's not a problem at all for him. He's the creator of the universe. And so they tell him their dreams and um, the uh, cupbearer first. And Joseph tells him, well, I'll tell you what your dream means. Your dream means in three days, you're going to be restored to the king. You're going to get out of here. And when you do, remember your old buddy, old pal, Joseph, would you? <laughs> and, um, and so the baker sees that and he says, well, hey, that sounds pretty good. Let me share with you my dream. So he tells him his dream. And Joseph says, well, your dream means this. Three days and Pharaoh's going to have your head chopped off. And sure enough, both dreams come to pass. Both dreams come to pass. The, the baker's uh, uh, is uh, killed in prison and the butler or cupbearer is restored. And again, Jacob says, look, don't forget me, man. I don't belong here. I, I'm, I've never done anything wrong. Uh, please get me out of here. And, <clears throat> and yet when he gets out, uh, he doesn't remember uh, Joseph at all. So now here we are, and it's years later. Uh, remember this all started when, when Joseph was 17. And, um, and so finally, uh, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh dreams uh, about these weird things, a couple of weird dreams, and he knows they're significant. And so he goes uh, to his uh, wise men, and, and none of them can interpret his dreams. And so that's when the uh, cupbearer says, oh boy, yeek, I remember, I remember, there's a guy, there's a Hebrew in prison that... Um, he, he can do this. And so they have Joseph cleaned up. They release him and he stands before Pharaoh. He is now 30 years old. So this is 13 years later, 13 years it took for Joseph to get to this point. So uh, Pharaoh, he hears Pharaoh's dreams and he says, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I know what's going to happen. God is telling you and he's get, told it to you in a couple of different ways because it's, it's a sure thing. He said, what this means is that there's going to be seven years of, of, of plenty. There's going to be seven years of just bull market, <laughs> we might say today. Um, and that will be followed by seven years of famine. And it's going to be rough. And so Joseph says, I'll tell you what you should do. During these seven years of plenty, have someone build some warehouses, build some storage areas, dig ditches, dig pits and store as much grain as you can. Just store it all, save it all for seven years. And then at the end of that seven years, when the famine hits really hard, you're gonna have grain and the whole world is gonna to come to Pharaoh for grain. And Pharaoh says, well, <laughs> that's impressive. In fact, you get the job. You gotta be careful what ideas you come up with in a committee meeting, right? You're probably gonna be put in charge of it. Well, in this case, it was a great thing for Joseph. And, and Pharaoh puts him in charge. And again, we realize that now Joseph is restored and has wealth more than he ever had, ever dreamed he would have, and position and authority and all of that. <clears throat> but, it's, but he doesn't have his family. And it was 13 years in prison, in as a slave, all of those things before he was finally 
released. And now, at age 30, he's a grown man, but he still hasn't been around his family. And so for seven years, Joseph leads the charge to store up grain everywhere in Egypt. Uh, and then, sure enough, the famine hits. Sure enough, the famine hits. And sure enough, the whole world comes to Egypt for grain because everybody hears there's grain in Egypt. Well, Joseph's father and brothers back in their homeland uh, are experiencing the famine that everyone else is. And uh, Joseph's brothers tell their father, look, we've heard that there's grain in Egypt. So why don't you send us over there to get some? And Jacob says, go. But he doesn't send Benjamin. Can't afford it. Can't, can't come to bring himself to risk his other son of Rachel now that he's lost Joseph. So the brothers go and they stand before Joseph. But Joseph is all decked out in Egyptian guard. They see him as someone who is just an Egyptian authority. He speaks to them through a translator. He doesn't reveal himself. And he talks to them. He questions them about where they're from, about their father, about their brother, all of these things that they had told him about. And, uh, and finally, he agrees to send them um, on their way. But he traps them, and so he... Uh, tells them you're going to have to uh, he keeps one of the brothers I believe it's Reuben and Reuben or Simeon and he keeps him and uh, he says if you want your other brother back then when you come back you've got to bring that other brother Benjamin with you and so he takes care of him but he it's Simeon he keep, takes care of Simeon but he never reveals himself and and so it's been nine years uh, since uh, Joseph had been uh, starting this project two years into the famine he tells them two years are gone and we still have five more years and so when they go back they give their father everything he mourns the fact that Simeon is not there with them but um, after a while they run out of grain again and the brothers go to dad and they say we've got to go back and he says well okay go back and they say we've got to take Benjamin this time and he's very mad at them for bringing him up. He's very mad at them. And they say, well, look, he questioned us really closely. They still don't know that it was their own brother. And so finally, Jacob knows that it's either starve or, or relent. And so Benjamin goes along with them. And um, as Joseph is interacting with them, he talks to them. He sees his brother, Benjamin. It's very emotional. He cries and cries. He has to leave the room and cry because he sees his full brother, Benjamin, that is the, the son of his mother um, that lost him, that he lost in childbirth for his brother. And, um, and finally, um, Joseph sends them on their way, but he entraps Benjamin and he brings them all back and he says, well, this guy took something that wasn't his and so I'm, he stays, he stays. And Judah has this very emotional speech in Genesis 44 saying, I'll be your slave. You can do to me whatever, but please, please, I beg you, don't leave this young man here. He is the heart and soul of our father. And I guarantee you that if he doesn't come back with us, he, our father will die. Our father will just die. And so then that gets us to Genesis 45. And it's such an incredibly emotional scene. I just want to, I just want to read it starting in Genesis 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. 
And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I mean, first of all, they, they had no idea who he was and they were scared. And then when they realized who he was, they were even more scared. This is the brother that uh, a third, well now, 22 years before, they had sold to a traveling bunch of Ishmaelites and he had ended up somehow in Egypt. All those years had passed. Verse 4 of Genesis 45, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now that's a troubling statement. Um, uh, uh, Farrar, Steve Farrar, has a great book, God Built, God Built, G-O-D uh, dash, B-U-I-L-T, God Built, and it's on the story of Joseph, and it's very good in dealing with this particular question about God's sovereignty and who is behind all those years of pain and hurt and separation that Joseph had to go through. Uh, very, very challenging. Uh, Joseph says, look, don't be mad at yourselves. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, verse 6, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. Joseph attributes everything that happened to him to God. But God, uh, Max Lucado makes a great case of those two being two of the most important words ever, because no matter what circumstances you're under, but God can bring about good from it. And that's what happens with the life of Joseph. And when he reveals himself to his brothers, they cannot believe it and they're afraid. But he says, look, don't be afraid. It was God who did this. And he did this to save our lives. Now get dad and, 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 and everybody and bring them. Don't bring anything because the best of Egypt will be ours. Um, and so they do that and... Uh, Jacob, also called Israel, when the brothers get back, he hears what they say. He sees all the stuff that Joseph sends back with them, and, and he can't believe his ears. But he sees everything, and he says, now I know that my son Joseph must be alive, and I will go to him. And Jacob revives. He's, he's got new life to go and see his son Joseph, and that's exactly what he does. They move back. They move to Egypt because of the five years of famine that still exists. And then later, uh, Jacob, Joseph's father, dies. And all of the brothers bury him together. It's very touching, just like um, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Esau. Um, uh, Abraham and uh, Abraham has, is buried by his uh, sons, Ishmael and Isaac. 
Um, and we see Jacob and Esau both burying, and though they had been at odds, both burying, burying their father Isaac as well. Now all the brothers bury their father together in the cave of Machpelah that Abraham had bought for his wife Sarah when she died. And so now we finally have Abraham and Sarah, uh, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and his wife Leah uh, there in that tomb. Um, and now the brothers are nervous again <laughs> because now that dad's gone, they're thinking, oh, wow, this is when Joseph is really going to get us back for all the evil that we did to him. Um, and it's, it, it's just amazing how, how they respond. And so they tell him, look, dad, before he died, <laughs> he told us to tell you, Joseph, that you're to forgive your brothers because they, they didn't, didn't really mean it. And, uh, and when their message came to him, uh, verse 17 of Genesis 50, the last chapter of Genesis says, Joseph wept. He cried. And so he called all of his brothers, and they came, and they threw themselves down before him in verse 18, and they said, we are your slaves. Joseph had been a slave, and it was their fault. And now they're throwing themselves at his feet, saying, we're your slaves. We'll do whatever. But, verse 19, Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Again, but God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I don't know about you, but it might be hard for me to do that. Probably would be hard for any of us. But Joseph, the years, he had, he had persevered. This story of Joseph is about the sovereignty of God planning a way for his people to be delivered during a worldwide famine and the perseverance and faithfulness of one man and that man being a young man starting at age 17 by the name of Joseph. Uh, he's incarcerated for 13 years either as a slave or as a prisoner. And then it's another uh, nine years after that uh, before he sees his family again. And, um, and then finally they are all brought back together to him. It, it's an incredible, incredible story. And so I hope that from this story you're reminded. I mean, throughout Genesis, now we're at the end of Genesis. We'll be starting Exodus in just a few days. So uh, that'll be good. And we'll be able to get into the fun stories of Moses because right now in Egypt they're the heroes but it years go by hundreds of years in fact and the the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's sons including Joseph their descendants end up being slaves in Egypt and that's when God provides a deliverer and that deliverer's name is Moses and that's where we'll be for quite some time reading uh, the stories of Moses and then uh, going through that fun, fun w several weeks of looking at the law of Moses. But I tell you, the psalmist gives us a great commentary on it when he says in Psalm 119, the longest chapter of the Bible, oh, how I love your law. But for now, let's remember, but God intended it for good. Whatever you're going through, remember God's sovereignty. God intends it for good. And also, 
Remember the example of Joseph. And I pray that you too will persevere. God bless.